Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes. And I'm Tish Oxenreiter. Tish, how are you doing today? Yeah. How am I doing? Yeah, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great, actually. It's been a good day. Like a very full, woke up and had something to do every hour in the hour, but it's been lovely. How about you? (laughs) My day's been great, too. I wonder, when you have a full day, do you have a problem finding time to drink? Yes and no, except for the fact that I just came back from coffee with a friend, so I still have my coffee from 309 where I met with my neighbor friend Meredith and whom Dave, one of the owners was behind us working. And it kind of, I mean, I say all this because it's apropos to our topic today, but it felt very much like cheers because I knew probably 12 people there and that was lovely. Um, So plain old black coffee from 309. Oh, that's awesome. Where everyone literally knew your name. Yeah. Um, So we haven't talked about Dave and Karen in a while. How are they doing? They're doing great. They okay. um, are probably going to leave soon. I don't know if I've ever told you he's from New Zealand and she's from England. So no. they have they have reasons to be out and about and they travel all the time. They like they're very hardcore. Like they go, uh, you know, scuba diving and rock climbing yeah. and all these amazing things in various places around the world. So I know they're about to hit the road because it's 862 degrees here. So At it's least. the time when most sane people leave so yeah it's at least 862 degrees there it may be more (laughs) it's so hot well and this summer i think is especially hot for most of us i think in the country in the u.s from what i've heard is it hot there yes that's true it is hotter than blue blazes here yesterday (laughs) so i'm coming off a little bit of a knee injury so i've simply been going to do some rehab work in the gym Mm -hmm. um and yesterday I finally was able to work out a little bit, which was really nice. Like I got the release, mm-hmm. you know, start start building back up. And so I just did a interval workout on the bike. So nothing terrible. Yeah. But by the end of 15 minutes, I literally looked like I had gone swimming in a pool. Right. Yeah. It's it's it, just gross right now to work out outside. Or, it's disgusting. I mean, it's it just to, disgusting. not even work out, stand outside, much less work out. Yeah. Yeah, live. It's it's, it's painful to live <laughs> outside right now, uh, much less do it anything. But I it, it, I recall la- last year at this time, we were having a conversation about Portland. Do you remember this? Portland was going through a crazy heat wave. Oh, yeah. Last year at this I time. I do remember that. It was like, yeah, freakishly hot for up there. Yep. Yeah. Have you that. heard any news from Portland? What's the news from Portland? Mm-mm. I do not know. I know that Kyle's parents, who live a couple hours south, have had an unseasonably cool summer so far. So, of course, it's the year we're not going to Oregon. Mm, C'est la vie. Um, All this to say, because I haven't even asked you yet, what are you drinking today, this afternoon? Well, it's a great question. It's the same question that you ask me every week, which is why it's so great. Um, And also slash the name of our podcast, which is why, again, apropos of everything, (laughs) today I am drinking... Propel fitness water. Ah, yes. And Never and the reason it. is because I wanted a little bit of flavor. I you know sometimes you just want a little flavor in your water. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just drink yeah. Ozarka, the uh, Texas appropriating uh, brand mm-hmm. of water. Sometimes you want to drink something that has a little bit of flavor. So this morning I'm drinking the berry flavored Propel, which is okay. is probably my least favorite version of Propel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was free, so I'm not complaining. 
What makes it fitness water? Is is that just total marketing or is there actual stuff in it? Well, I'm sure, but it has electrolytes in it too. So okay. um, it has uh, um, zero proteins, but it does have uh, potassium in it, uh, vitamin C. Mm-hmm. It has 30% of your daily vitamin C. And 100% of your pantothenic acid. So if you were looking to get all of your pantothenic acid in one place, like grab a Propel Fitness Water. I feel like I just gave them the best advertisement that they could ever get. Yeah. If you're looking to get all your pantothenic acid in one place, grab a Propel Fitness Water. I was going to say, I bet our listeners are so glad to know all that info. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that does. But yeah. if any doctors out there want no. to tell me what pantothenic acid does, like, let me know. I would yeah. love to hear. Sounds made up. Yeah, it Sounds does. But up. whatever. It's mm-hmm. not uh, yeah. unicornic acid. So, um, Tish. <laughs> yeah. Last week, as you will recall, uh, we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about the challenges that we have accepted, namely meaning I have accepted for the first six months of the year. Um, which for the most part I've done, although I did, I did, it will remind the listeners, it was, uh, it was the social media fast and I did break my social media fast for Instagram. Um, I've still kept it going strong for Twitter. Uh, probably will break it for Twitter in the next week. Uh, may not ever be on Facebook again because it is literally the devil to me, to mm-hmm. me, to me, for me, to me. Um, but that was my challenge. We talked about it. Ad nauseum. Links in the show notes if you want to listen to that episode. Uh, but Tish, you did a quite yeah. different challenge, an amazing challenge. Mm-hmm. Remind the listeners what it was. My challenge was to live as much as I can within the 100-mile radius of our home. And while it was quite different from yours, there was a lot of crossover life lessons, I would argue. So there's there are multiple conversations to be had regarding how it affected how I thought about the internet. So um, I will get there. But yeah, it was basically doing what I can to shop, to find my sources of entertainment, to spend my literal time within this circle. You know, I, I read somewhere, I don't know, a month or two into announcing it, uh, there, I don't even know who it was, but a writer had written on in response to my challenge saying, oh, this person must live in the U.S. because 100 miles is really far. Like if sh- if she were here in the U.K., it sounds like it would be 25 kilometers or something instead. Yeah. And to that, I would say you're right. So 100 miles is arbitrary. It's not like there's something magical or important about 100 miles. It's just, it, I you know, I needed a boundary. So I needed something that made sense. If I were living in the Yukon up in northern Canada, it would probably be 500 miles or I don't even know. So um, the, the point was not how big my circle was. The point was local living. So um, be it my food, my groceries, my way of life, my community activities, I wanted to stay within reasonable distance in my home. And you, yeah, six you, months as I recall. In, as I recall, mm-hmm. you wanted to be, uh, you know, somewhere that the perimeters were, if I had a horse, I could get there in a day. Yeah. Yeah. It was in some ways this idea of living a more human pace of life. So um, I don't remember where it was I read. It might be, you know, I've been mentioning The Life We're Looking For by Andy Crouch a while. Um, I'm almost done. And I think it might have been from his book, but um 
he talks about, or there's just this idea that for most of human history, we have lived at a pace of about three miles an hour. Three miles an hour is the average pace of walking for an adult human. And it's only been since the advent of cars that we've gone any faster, or even, you know, Mm. riding horses from town to town. Um, By and large, most of our existence has been at three miles an hour. And not only is that slow, but that's not far. Like you can't yeah. get very far. And and so for the way we live in our modern lives, it's just very unusual compared to our human history that we know of. Yeah. So part of my goal was just simply to see, is it possible to just turn down the volume on that speed and that distance just a little bit? You know, I mean, 100 miles is still pretty far, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but can I do it a little bit? And I will say six months in that I have grown to really love it to the point where much of it is habit now and I don't plan to change. Um, but like you, I didn't do it perfectly and that was not the point. So I, there's no, like, I don't feel like I broke any rules or anything because my whole goal was to see, like, can I do this? And yes. if I can't do it perfectly, what are the ways I can do it good enough or yeah. within the spirit of this idea? Because there are a few reasons for this, one of which is my own health, like the three mile an hour mental health, physical health, but also just community building. Like, you know, we vote with our dollars. And so if I say I care about local community about, you know, seeing my neighbors flourish, then I should put my wallet where my mouth is and do things like, you know, buy from the farmers, get the coffee from the coffee shop across the street instead of the chain down the road. Um, But it doesn't mean that like when you literally need something and you literally can't find it anywhere, but at the big box store or that, um, that ubiquitous online big box store equivalent that we all know and tolerate. Um, that's okay. That's just life in 2022, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is you didn't take a legalistic approach to it. There was a lot of right. grace in the process, but that you you tried as best you could uh, to live into this 100-mile uh, sh- shopping radius. Yeah, it was very much an experiment. You know, we did um, try and buy a lot of our staples from the farmer's market or at a local farm. There were a few times Kyle and I drove out to a farm about 30 minutes away, um, definitely within our our radius to get milk and to get meat. And that was a really great experience because we got to see, you know, like we actually smelled the cows when we got out to get our milk and shake hands with the farmers. Um, It got expensive, especially near the end when just prices were going up because prices are going up for the farmers because of all the things that we all know are happening around the world um, and gas prices and all that, that affects that goes all the way to the farms. And so, gosh, we saw milk from the start of the year to the end of this experiment, milk at the farmer's market went up $2 a gallon, which is a lot for the, just everyday household and adds up quite a bit. So, you know, I think our takeaway is doing this imperfectly, but still do what we can. So yeah, I'm going to have to go to A2B to get milk every now and then, but here's the thing. And I realize, you know, cause I've said this before, my radius, my circle is perhaps somewhat charmed in this regard. Our 
chain grocery store where we get everything is still within our radius. HEB's headquarters are in San Antonio, which is in my little bubble here or my circle. So there are still ways to do it, even if it's not like actually going to a farm. I'm still able to at least support the local economy by going to shops. And so I think, um, I think the takeaway for all of us is to do what you can with what you have and that you can probably do more than you think you can. Um, Kind of one of my final thing. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to stop doing this, but my, one of my final things was yesterday. I literally got on the phone and moved our prescriptions from the CVS, which is in our neighborhood. Like I've walked to CVS to the local indie pharmacy that's been around since 1955 that has, a mural on the side of the wall and you know it, it's just super super local there's literally only one i moved all our prescriptions to over there because yeah. it's like you know i want them to stick around i would be very yeah. sad if i was one of the reasons that they didn't make it to 2055 because i chose to get our prescriptions at cvs that doesn't make me a better person i'm not saying you're bad or wrong if you go to Walgreens or CVS. Not at all. I'm just saying that's the thing I could do. And so I chose to do it. So it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So tell me, what is one thing that you found like a product that you found, um, you know, you, you switched from product X to product Y because it was local and you found, oh, I actually really enjoy this. I'm going to keep doing this. Is, was there anything like that? Um, yes. Well, So I've already talked some about food, so I won't go into that too much. But, you know, it's not like I had never gone to the farmer's market before or shopped local. I I have done that before. But I think there was something about just knowing I'm not going to buy meat from out of town for six months. Man, I got used to it to where um, I'll just give the example of chicken. I went from at HEB mostly just buying like chicken thighs, like pieces of chicken to at the farmer's market buying whole chickens, like neck Mm. included, (laughs) even though I didn't want the neck there. That's, that's how they butchered it. Um, And the reason I did that is because it's cheaper per pound. And I could do that whole um, concept of like from head to tail eat as, you know, take, that which the chicken has provided as best as possible. And so um, I just got in this habit of roasting a chicken, using the meat and various recipes all throughout the week, and then taking the carcass and making like seven to eight quarts, I mean, like a heck ton of chicken broth. And I haven't had store-bought chicken broth at all this year. And I'm so used to the flavor of like really, really good, healthy bone broth that I don't think I'll ever change. Um, And it's just the way we do it now. Like I just, that's just how we consume chicken because I've gotten into the rhythm and routine and it's not weird anymore. And it actually is very reasonably priced when you do it that way. And you just kind of learn how to, uh, how to do that. Another example probably, and I don't know if I want to, yeah, I'll admit this. Um, (laughs) Even though I've long written about for years, the importance of ethical clothing, ethical shopping, you know, with, with that, which we wear, that doesn't mean that I was perfect at it. And so sometimes it would just be easy to hop onto Amazon and just get the swimsuit for the kid or the, 
you know, if I needed a dress for a wedding or whatever, just hop on. And, um, and I have not done that since last fall. And I will buy clothes here or do without and they last a lot longer. And I don't need I don't need very much at all. Like I've actually gotten rid of a whole lot of my clothes. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. But that's another one. Like where? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just. I think any. Yeah, yeah I think any anything that you know. In my mind, the idea here is not necessarily that every stitch, everything, every you know feather, comes from within 100 miles. As much as it is, the idea is that you know you look at what you have and what you can do without, and what you can do locally, and what you um, need to supplement. And 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 you make the best decision you can to be as close to home as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, I've said this before, but there was that World War II slogan about like use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. I think I really embraced that a lot more. So I spent less on things that I just didn't absolutely have to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so in that regard, it's not so much like I replaced. It's not like, oh, I would normally buy shirt X and now I've bought shirt Y and it's so much better. It's like I just didn't even need shirt Y, you know? Yep. Um, and so there was that nice byproduct of like, yeah, I might be spending more on milk, but I'm buying less stuff I don't need in other ways. So in many ways, our family economy is more in line with what our values are, really. Um, so that's that's great. So yeah. tell, but tell, me, tell me this. Is there anything where you tried to make local work and then you're like, no, that's just not that I can't make that work. So I'm going to do something else instead. There were a few moments. Yes. When and I will tell you, it has mostly to do with time than it does with availability. So we are very used to getting things quickly, I think, in our era. When we think of something we need, we hop online, we put it in a shopping cart, we auto check out, and it's at our front porch the next day. Um, so I, like all of us, most of us have gotten into this habit of not planning ahead for some things or um, just having to respond to current expectations of getting things quickly. So as an example, there were a few times when I needed a book and it you know, I say need kind of in air quotes, but I actually did need it like two days from now. And if my local bookstore didn't have it, I had to buy it online, you know, mm, and yeah, and that's okay. That's okay. Because I think I learned to make that not my default. You know, my yeah. default was not just to hop on another tab, put that book in my cart and check out while I was still having a conversation with someone. It was like a, I did my work, tried to find it locally, could not find it. I needed it sooner than what my local bookstore could promise through yeah. no fault of their own. Yep. And so I just had to buy it online. Um, and so I think for me, that was the partial solution takeaway of like, you know, it's okay that I bought this online. It's not that big a deal um, because I'm doing what I can to go first to my local bookseller. Um, so it's a time thing. And, you know, I think we're used to being in a world where like, can you have this, can you, maybe this is the line of work I'm in, but, you know, read this book and then <laughs> write a review for it by next week just doesn't work when you have to wait two weeks from your shop for a book. Um, so that I think was something. I, and I think it's also important 
to focus on the non-shopping part of this 100-mile radius. It's mm-hmm. so easy for me to just think about the the exchange of money within my circle. But I think maybe what was more of a emotional or mental health takeaway was what it meant to recenter my my sense of community here and not elsewhere. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big thing for me. Um, about, I want to say last fall, I wrote a piece for my sub stack that 99.9% of the people that read it um, had good things to say, but maybe 0.1%, it sort of rubbed them the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I, in this piece, I talked about how online communities just don't replace in-person communities. It's not to say that online communities are bad or wrong, but we shouldn't depend on them as our source of where we find our our belonging. And I have seen a trend among many, many people that use the internet as their default community source. And then if they can't get it met there, they'll just either go without or um, just, you know, find some other solution. And there are times when that works, right? Things like COVID, when we yeah. started our lockdowns. The internet ended up being a huge grace in that regard. It kept people from absolute isolation. But it's perhaps, honestly, I would say probably most people did not intend for this. But um, through just unintentional habit building, it became our go-to way of just connecting with people at all to where Zoom meetings just were convenient as opposed to driving half an hour to meet with someone over coffee. And um, before we knew it, you know, we were doing virtual church because it was easier to not get dressed and drive down the road to our parish. And, And, you know, Andy Crouch talks about this in The Life We're Looking For. He makes a case that the way communities actually become communities is that there is a there is a mutual investment at stake. So it might be the geography, you know, your actual neighborhood. The reason yeah. it becomes a community is because I care about, you know, the success of our coffee shop, just like my neighbor down the street cares about the success of our coffee shop. And so we're in it together. Or a school, you know, you care about your school mattering. So do other parents. And so yep. together you make the school a community that that means something to you, um, that there's a greater good involved. The problem yeah. with online communities is that there's not really that shared sense of um, of something that matters beyond just the shared interest like, you know, you're a group of people who enjoy, I don't know, canoeing. And so you care about the betterment of your own experience canoeing, but you're not necessarily in the same river together. Yeah. Um, and so you don't have that shared interest. Um, that's not to say there's no value in online communities, but I think it really is necessary that we stop defaulting to online as our source for communities and make the effort of doing the imperfect work of, of sort of rubbing shoulders with our neighbors, even if it's not ideal, it's a partial solution. Yeah. So for you, you're thinking about this again, you're, you're not just thinking about shopping, you're expanding the thought process here to say, well, you know, I'm I'm actually just thinking about what it means to live a more local life, whether that's, Mm -hmm. Shopping, not shopping, 
church community, friendship community. Um, it, it's it's a local embodiment. Is that is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. In fact, I mean, the embodiment I think is huge. So this morning I went to adoration at our our my local parish has mm-hmm. um, perpetual adoration, which means twenty four seven for mm-hmm. the non Catholics among us. That's just basically when you can go to a chapel and pray. And um, a consecrated sacrament, sacramental host is there for, you know, one to basically be in the presence of Jesus. I'm going to just leave it at that. It's beautiful. You don't have to be Catholic to go. It's it's a fantastic way to get some quiet, get some peace. I went there yeah. this morning and I was the youngest by probably 20 years there. Um, you know, it's not a pl- place you go to hang out with people, so it didn't matter. But I was just yeah. reminded again of like, I am not my typical demographic of my local parish. Every Sunday, I have this like internal wrestling of, is this the best spiritual home for our family? Because our kids are at an age where they really need, you know, X, Y, and Z. And is our parish actually providing that? There's a litany of reasons why the parish kind of makes us crazy, but it's huge selling point is that it's in our neighborhood. It's five minutes from our driveway. And that's kind of something Kyle and I have like, until God tells us otherwise, we're pretty committed to that being a high value of ours. And so we're just going to keep going for the foreseeable future, even though it's not perfect. And that might mean I fill in the gaps of like our kids' spiritual formation in other ways. You know, I, I do find some online resources. I do, you know, drive my kid farther to to meet with other like-minded kids or whatever it is. You know, it, it's like learning what matters to you when it comes to being a, a member of your community and then making it work as best you can. I mean, yeah. re- if there's anything I've learned in the past 12, 13 years is um, – that life is full of partial solutions, like yeah. this side of heaven. It's there is nothing that's going to be perfect, and you just got to make do with what you have. You know, yeah. I wish our parish was different. I wish it was in a beautiful European style cathedral, and it's definitely not. <laughs> and and I don't know. Hopefully, I've got eternity in heaven to to have things be more heaven on earth. That's yeah. that's sort of my takeaway. Cross fingers. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I'm curious, Seth, because even though this wasn't your challenge, I know that you and Amber care about where you live. I know Amber's a big um and you know, she's really invested in y'all's farming situation or, you know, supporting local farmers. I know you care a lot about your local coffee shop. Like, have you had any epiphanies about living locally this past year? No, I mean, I think our goal is to try to just do what we can in little ways and make them automatic so we don't have to think about them. I think that's the hardest thing for me is that I'm, I, I am so, uh, I don't know if busy is such a cop out, right? It's like what everybody says. I'm so busy, but uh, you know, it's just hard if, if you're constantly thinking about every little thing, it's just hard to really live a local life. So for us, like we try to make, conscious decisions like our our parish is you know less than two miles from our house i could run there if i wanted to or if i broke down i could walk home you know um i love there's a coffee shop downtown that i love i would go there every day but the coffee shop that i go to is just right below my office 
it's it's hyper local because it's where I am. Um, I may not like the vibe as much, but I'll spend more time there because it's hyper local. It's like right downstairs from where I am. Um, you know, with with Amber, she invests deeply in a farmer's market. Um, volunteers spends time there um, because, again, that's investing in our local farming infrastructure, and she wants to be a part of of that and be a part of that scene, particularly in light of the fact that, like as prices go up, as inflation happens and as it hits everyone, like these local farmers need, you know, they need to be supported for the craft and the work that they do. Right. And so we need to be doing that as much as we can. So we're, we're, we're intent on building community there, but you know, to your point, like I just bought a pair of shoes. Yeah. For working out and like, they're not hyper local at all. Now I did, And I, and I, they're not even semi-local, right? They're not even remotely local. But what I do in those situations, I try my best to say like, what's the pair of shoes that is the most environmentally friendly that actually like cares to some degree about the earth beyond just platitudes, right? So there are certain brands that I won't buy, even though they may be better gym shoes. I may, you know, um, I buy shoes that tend to last a little bit longer and have actual commitments to the world, you know, um, I, you know, the clothes are the same way. Like I'm not going to buy local clothes. I can't buy local clothes. Um, I think, and, and, and as a, as a guy, it's actually really hard to buy, uh, sustainably sourced clothes. I think I've talked with several people about this before. Um, Mm -hmm. including there's a, there's a woman on the West coast who that's kind of her thing is, is sustainable fabrics. And I talked to her and I was like, what am I supposed to do as a guy? I can find nothing. And she's like, well, it's going to get better over the next five years, but you're just going to have a season where you, you know, that the idea needs to be less about, is it locally made or is it made in the USA even, or, uh, you know, how much water does it consume in the creation? And it needs to be more about, is there one thing that they that they do to make the world a better place? And then can you wear it forever? Like wear it out. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I spend a lot of time asking myself those questions. Like, is there one thing yeah. that they're doing to make the world a better place? Like actually, and um, can I wear it for a long period of time and, and not replace it? Um, mm-hmm. So again, that that's not a local commitment. It's just a commitment to the earth. And so yeah. I think, um, I think a lot about that whole like, there's the it's a long story, but Acts one eight, uh the script the Bible verse, the scripture has meant a lot to me in my life because of a lot of different reasons. But it talks about how uh the good news would spread from uh Jerusalem and then Judea, the region, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. So hyper local, local, and then to the rest of the world. And I think decision making in general needs to be made that way. Like make what yeah. you can automatic that's hyper local yes like just make it automatic so you never think you think about it right yeah um yeah then then go regional if you need to go regional and then and make that as automatic as you can too and then if you can't go regionally you know go out to the uttermost parts of the earth but then do that in a way that's uh at least with a mindset of i'm trying to do the best i can even though i'm not being local or regional yeah 
I think you're speaking into that idea of subsidiarity too. You know, this this concept of let decision making happen as, as close to the source as possible, and then bring in outside sources when it's necessary. And I think yeah. by definition, that means there are going to be times when it is necessary, and that's okay. Yep. I love yep. that you brought up automatic. I think that's key. I think that's huge. I mean, a great example is what I did yesterday when I transferred our prescriptions over. So just case in point, um, you know, this is not <laughs> to, to disparage CVS, but we've had some headaches getting our prescriptions through them lately. And whenever you hop on the phone, you just never know, like you usually get some kind of generic CVS call center, and then you finally get to talk to your local place, but it's still an automatic press one, press two, and you finally get to talk to someone and they may or may not even know what you're talking about and then rinse and repeat if you have to call again. Well, um, I have passed by this local drugstore for years, you know, and it's always been one of these like, I really need to just move our stuff over there because I just want to, but I just, you know, I don't take the time. I finally hopped on the phone and a, a woman named Josie picked up on the first ring and we chatted. And whenever she explained how it worked, she got all my info and she dealt with bringing all my stuff over from CVS. And when I gave her my address, she's like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, you live really close to us. And um, then when I went today to pick up the stuff, I mean, the nicest people. And it was just a reminder of these things that are we can make them automatic yeah. if we just take the five minutes at the beginning to be a grown up and do the work of setting it up. Yeah, because now right. our prescriptions are automatic through them. In fact, they have free delivery. They have a little truck where they will just bring your pills to you in the neighborhood um, from their little delivery service. And it's it's just, I mean, it almost feels like out of a, a novel how local it is. But that's an example of where I thought okay, it's going to take more work to be local. And it's not. They text you when it's time to refill. They bring it to you just like some big box store. Um, You know, we we signed up for the rec center, our local community rec center, instead of a chain store gym for partly this reason as well. And it's automatic. It's just as automatic as if we were going to a big box. So I'm just explaining that there are ways to make these decisions less – less intense if you just do the upfront work at the beginning, just as if you were doing it for any other not local situation, just like if you were buying something online, it's not hard. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm glad to hear that you're still on board. You're still, uh, you've made Mm -hmm. some permanent changes. There are some things that you are going to keep in your life forever. There may be some things that you modify and that's really how life goes. You take, what's good yeah you leave what's bad and you just try to live more intentionally so um thanks for yep. that update that's, that's really right. awesome yeah yeah and it's you know it dovetails well with yours because i'm on social media less because i don't have as much of a sense or a need for community online however i will say the nice thing about social media is when it does provide in real life community case in point you and amber and Kyle and I are actual friends because we've spent time in real life. I have met friends on yep. from when we first met on social media. And now I consider real friends, not just like avatar friends, because we actually have spent time in the same physical space together and we're Absolutely. real friends. So, um, you know, I think my takeaway is continue to spend time on social media as well, but not at the expense of 
of in real life friendships. They don't replace it. Um, yep. So yeah, maybe that's a good takeaway for a listener to to take both of what we've been learning the past six months and kind of smush them together into one good life lesson. Yep, keep, that's awesome. Keep friends in real life as best you can. That's awesome. Yep. That's that's true and yeah. awesome. So, Tish, that brings yeah. us to the end of the show, and that brings me to the question right. that we ask every week, which is one thing. What is one thing that is bringing more beauty, or goodness, or truth to your life? Well, and you know, this is a great example of whenever the internet works well. Um, for us, I have been taking, I don't remember if I told you this, but Hillsdale College, who is up in Michigan, nowhere near you or me, they have a great collection of online classes for free. They are completely wow. free and they're legit classes. And they're actually really well produced. It's not just like a bad recording in some lecture hall and you just have to strain to hear. It's like thoughtfully produced courses um, for anybody to take. So I have been taking um, Aristotle's Ethics. As wow. my nerdy, just continuing education, there's not really an end game. Like, it's not like I'm going to, I'm going to apply this to my life other than hopefully, you know, yeah. become a better person because I am continuing my education. But it's a fantastic class and it's 100% free and it's, you know, taught by a professor who knows what he's talking about and it's all Socratic. So it's like him and students around a table talking about Aristotelian ethics and I'm learning a heck ton and it's enjoyable and I'm just watching it and taking notes and, and living my life as I, as I go. But um, yeah, major, major props to Hillsdale for providing this and there's tons of classes. Um, I'm going to take another one after this, I'm sure. So I'll put the link in the show notes. That's amazing. Way to go Hillsdale. Uh, yes. We're for you. So how about you, Seth? What's adding more truth, beauty, goodness to your life right now? Well, and maybe I need to see if if uh, maybe I need to see if Hillsdale offers a class in this. But I have been reading uh, Carl Jung's uh, yeah. Humans and Symbols. Did Are I talk about that? this already? You, you last Man week, and the Symbols, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so as I and I listen, I may talk about this for several weeks because I continue to read this, and it's so terribly fascinating wow. and um the the opening uh probably well so far the opening 30 or 40 percent it's pretty thick it takes a while to get through but it's about uh dreams and dream interpretation and how we dream in archetypes and how our dreams often are signalers of greater realities and boy it's just scratching the itch right now. Uh, and and just thinking through, uh, Jung in some ways like asks, he answers questions I didn't even know I needed to ask, wow. if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, I may have said that last week too, but I, it, he's just a genius. And so just thinking through like how uh, redemptive narratives crop up in dreams or death omens crop up in dreams or... Hmm. Um, hero archetypes crop up in dreams. It's just, it, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And what it, what it allows you to do is recognize, stop and recognize like everything is symbolic. Everything is symbolic. And, huh. and there's important uh, meaning in all those symbols and all the symbols that we use in the world around us. So it's, huh. I highly recommend it. Very, very good. That's very cool. Yeah. You mentioned it last week and it sounded fascinating. I think you were a bit like overwhelmed by all of it. Um, but fascinated very, by it. So. Okay. I yeah, yeah, still yeah. am to some degree, but it's so good. That's cool. That's very cool. All right. 
Um, well, we're both nerding out as good uh, Enneagram fives tend to do with our free time. As we do. As, as we, we do. do. All right. It's time to wrap this one up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a friend.com. If you like the show and what we're doing here, please help keep it going by picking up the next round of drinks. We are very grateful when you do that because at the cost of a cup of coffee or a pint, you can play a big part in keeping the lights on. Find the link to do this in the show notes of this episode or at a drinkwithafriend.com. You can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, how about you? They can find me at sethhaines.substack.com or on Instagram at Seth Haynes. Oh, I'm right. there now. That's right. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenrider. I'm Tish Oxenrider with Seth Haynes, and we'll be back here again with you soon. Thanks for listening.